podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to episode 336 of the Anfield Index podcast, broadcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and I'm joined for tonight's show by Carl Kopak and by Lisa Marie Hanahan as we have a little chat about what has gone on over the last week or so since we last spoke and what is to come in the uh, week facing us, which of course begins tomorrow. We're recording this Sunday evening, um, tomorrow night for the Reds getting their game against Manchester United out of the way. And I can't help but think that's going to be atypically a focus for us because we don't tend to focus on the games coming up. But regardless of how that goes, and even if you're listening to it in the aftermath of the result, a lot of the things that we will want to be saying about that, about them, about us, about the situation in the season so far will be relevant regardless of what we've achieved. So hopefully that won't date too badly. Now, I wanted to start the show here. Um, and by the way, just in case I'm not sure if one of you is aware of it there, but there's a, a lot of banging against the mic there just for the benefit of our gentle listeners' ears, if you could uh, keep an eye on that. So... And just as I say that, there goes a car by going by loudly in the background in my area because I can't keep the window shut. Same, sorry about that. So I wanted to start off by just like, you know, there are a lot of incredibly inspirational people out there, um, people who can put words together in a way that is just endlessly fascinating. And I think of my own favorite, Jimmy Joyce there, he wrote in Ulysses, a father, Stephen said, battling against hopelessness is a necessary evil. Love that one from Jimmy. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it. But, you know, it's not just that. Let's have a look at another one. From a portrait of the artist as a young man this time, Joyce says, no God for Ireland, he cried. We've had too much God in Ireland. Away with God. And that, of course, speaks to the existential crisis he was having, not to mention the crisis of faith. And I wanted to greet you guys this evening, our lovely listeners, in a way that I thought was on a par with that. Because, gentle listener, I want to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. I think of you. I dream of you. Can't help thinking pulling you was my greatest ever coup. You know? So, Lisa Marie Hannan, how are you this evening in the wake of those wonderful lines? I, I don't know that I'm quite that um, insightful this evening, but okay. Um, and it's only afternoon, so maybe maybe I'll, you know, if the day goes on. Perhaps I'll uh, I'll step it up a notch. Well, you know, I know you, I know you're, I know you're, you're fond of 
words. And I thought, what better way to start the show for Lisa Marie than to juxtapose a bit of Jimmy Joyce and Ryan fucking gigs. So there you go. Uh, like, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, that's how we roll around here. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that you have something to start the show in as well. I do. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a little, um, just, I guess, anecdote, and then I'm going to turn it to a question to, to both of you. Oh, um, so my parent, my parents are both from Michigan originally. I think I've mentioned that before. And this past week, they were up there um, visiting some family and friends. And we used to go every summer when I was a kid. My grandparents, of course, were alive at the time. We used to go up every summer to visit. And there were things that we could get there kind of in the way of food and stuff that, you know, were things that we could only get up there, you know, weren't available to us down here in Tennessee. And one of those was there was an Italian grocery store that my grandparents, um, you know, frequented that had the best homemade Italian bread. <clears throat> and so we would, you know, go through, I don't know how many loaves when we were there on our visit. And we usually got a couple to, to bring back with us to Tennessee. Well, now it's become a thing that when my parents go up there, they always bring back a love for me and a love for my brother to have. And so I've got this. And so, but there's something about it that when I open it and just the smell of it and everything else, it takes me immediately back to like my childhood and sitting at my grandmother's kitchen table, making sandwiches and everything else. So Trevor, Carl, is there some food or something like that that you don't have necessarily on a regular basis that takes you like straight back to some point near you? Oh, it's a good one, actually. I like this interactive beginning. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fill this one first so I can go to Carl and then we can segue from Carl's answer to getting Carl's intro. Um, the childhood thing is interesting and I have very fond memories of, um, being in my grandparents' house as a youngster, uh, maybe for weekends on occasion. And my granny used to cook these particular rashers and bacon, you know, mm -hmm. um, and um, we always had a, a cooked breakfast because they were farmers and my, my uncle would be coming in from doing maybe a couple hours work and having done milking. So I'd get up eight o'clock and have breakfast with him. And it was always like a real proper big country breakfast sausages and rashers and loads of brown bread and homemade soda bread and that now that you mention it that soda bread taste if i was to get that again that would bring me right back there because i haven't tasted it since maybe once or twice in the in the in, in the in the few times maybe my mother tried it but it wasn't quite the same so that if i could would bring me back but I'd imagine as well if I was to source that particular brand of bacon perhaps as well but similarly it's such a distinctive taste uh, I haven't had it since. And now I'm thinking these might be two uh, good projects for my last week of my holidays. So I, I do appreciate the inspiration. Carl, what about you? Any any foods you associate with uh, t uh, times gone by? Yeah, and, and sadly, it sounds really, really stereotypical and on brand. And it's my nan's scouse. Because every nan in Liverpool made scouse a slightly different way from somebody else. And... It was just gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous, and um, and you know I, I can I can do a palace gauss here quite easily, but it's 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 not going to go anywhere near um what my what my nan's was, and if my nan was here today, she wouldn't be able to tell me what was so good about hers that you know that that is better than mine. So it's like it is like a sort of it, it it's like you know 
a spell, you know, t- tapping or, or, or a magic wand on a cauldron and cauldron and saying, you know, and, and there is Nana Mulligan Scouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, are you, are you, and, and you know, ninety four. So you know, it's not going to be. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of. Um, well, no, while well, well, we're doing the old Proust bit here, beginning of, uh, of uh, AIP, uh, it's, it's, yeah, and that's, it's never going to come back, never. You know, uh, it's funny you mention that. I, 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 I like what you're saying that there's some sort of, um, oh, I don't know, mad alchemy that the, these, uh, these figures from the past had when they were doing their uh, little uh, recipes for us. But honestly, I think you'll find it was just loads of salt. Quite possibly, yes. <laughs> lots of salt and maybe lots of butter and um, those type of things. And, you know, you try to make the versions we make of them, like, you know, it all due credit to yourself. I'm sure you make a lovely pan Carl, but they're probably quite anodyne by comparison, you know, because of that. Because we're trying to be all, you know, a man like yourself cannot make a, a heart unhealthy pan of scouse, I would imagine. So, you know, there's probably a few things lacking in terms of the old days. What have you got for us to begin uh, the show with before we get into some funny chat? Well, I'll, I'll come back to it, but since, since we're talking about this, I've just thought of a quote, which is uh, I wasn't going to do, but I've, I've just looked it up now. Um, and it's, it's Principal Skinner from uh, the Team Homer episode of The Simpsons. And he says, the year was 1968. We were on a recon in the streaming Mekong Delta. <laughs> An overheated private remote r- removed this flak jacket revealing a T-shirt with an ironed-on ironed sporting the, log- the mad slogan, up with miniskirts. Well, we all had a good laugh, even though I didn't quite understand it. But our momentary lapse of concentration allowed Charlie to get the drop on us. <laughs> I spent the next three years in a POW camp <laughs> to, to subsist on a thin stew made of fish, vegetable prawns, coconut milk, and four cans of rice. I came close to madness trying to find it here in the States. I can't get the spices right. <laughs> oh, that, just, that just made me think of that. Just like the, yeah. Yeah, obviously horrible being a captive prisoner of war, but my God, that coconut milk was really worth sticking around for. <laughs> the grub was fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, God, those those writers, I have to say, back in the day when they were doing that really well, they, they were kind of untouchable. I mean, I, I don't know what the, you know, I don't, don't get into too much depth, but I don't know when the quality started to fall away, but there was a couple of seasons there maybe eight to ten of them, where it was just solid gold all the way through. I think it was always... But the the episode where Homer... uh, Last Exit to Springfield, where Homer is the union rep, I think is the most perfect half hour of television. Every single line in that is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, look, honestly, if we start uh, throwing quotes, you'd be here all day. But it's just, it was properly good writing. It was really on the money, I have to say. And I, what I like about the the writers in The Simpsons is they're equal opportunities, uh, um, uh, stereotypers and, um, uh, you, you know, insulters. I mean, the Irish get it a lot, but so does every other nationality. I mean, yeah. look, at, look at the way Italians are portrayed, like, for the love of God. It's just, you know, and, and it, it's, I think it's done in a, in a way that isn't nasty either. So you can't. Yeah, well, well, when they do the, um, the, the bit where they become pin pals, they go, where they start the bowling team. There's yeah. a team they play called the Stereotypes with Cletus, the slack jawed yokel. The Italian bloke, the bumblebee Mexican man, um, yeah, and, and, and I think and Arpu says that they begged me to join that team. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really nice way of saying it. 
Yeah, but I mean, if you recall, there's an episode where you two make a cameo, and the way that Homer breaks in backstage is to put on a flat, a flat cap, uh, a kind of a, a, tar- a tartan for some reason waistcoat, uh, and carry a bag of spuds over his shoulder and go, "Potato man." And of course, then he gets inst- instant access to the backstage because the boys would be lost without their fucking spuds because Irish, you know. So yeah. I mean, fair play. Uh, so I want I want to start steering it uh, towards the um, the target marked LFC, and and you know, last time we were chatting, there was the sort of unedifying. Um, spectacle of having drawn a game and then there's been another one of those comparatively unedifying spectacles since and i wonder how this is sitting with you now we can't lie we can't ignore the facts of reality and we are doing this show uh, within an hour or so of a very pleasant reality which is that manchester city did drop two points today against newcastle so you have a situation now, as we look forward to our next game, where should we win it? Uh, it's only two points back on our main title rivals in inverted commas. So that's something very positive to kind of cue this up with. But before we do that, I do want to look back over the last week or so, uh, whatever's been happening that took your eye, whether it's that last game and something from it. And I understand it's quite back in the in the distance now. We're literally talking about six days ago. But just in case there is something from that you want to reach back and grab into, that's fine. And if not, is there anything in particular that you want to focus on um, Liverpool related story or just something that's going on that's um, grinding your gears? Carl, I'll start with you on this one. I was at the Palace game and um, uh, by about five minutes before the end of the game, no, five minutes after the game, I'd, I'd sold Darwin Nunes. Now, yeah. the way these things work is that you can't, you could, you could have said to me, yes, I know you're emotional. We didn't win. The Reds were really weird all night. The shape was appalling. Um, all we did was lump balls into the box for Darwin Nunes, and he's not that sort of player, but we tried to make out that he was. Um, the world's greatest right back was sat in the centre circle for much of the second half, which we didn't quite understand either. Um, and the lad takes two goes to get sent off. And it's interesting, the next day I said, there's going to be a lot of talk of let's stay on, let's support Darwin for what he's done. I'm still furious with him. I really am, because you don't. The fact that he missed the first one, knew he gets sent off because you can't, everything's in camera these days. Um, every, everything is there to be seen and witnessed. Knew he gets sent off and then had another go a few seconds after that as well. Um, there's going to be lots of LFC family. I support him. I'm still angry with him, but I think some good will come of it because I think we play for me now tomorrow and then the system settles down again and we start being Liverpool again rather than just bumping big balls into Bindler and isolating Mo on, on the on the right. I, th- I think that's going to be the, um, the the plus side of this. So there's a couple of things here I want to tease out with you and I'll bring Lisa Marie in, in on the, the back end of this conversation as well so you can um, be uh, prepared to give us your tuppence worth on that if you want, Lisa Marie. Um, so the, uh, a couple of things that you brought up there I'm, I'm interested in. First of all, I, I didn't see it as as critically, the, the football played by us in the first or second half. 
whether Nunes was on the field or not. Um, I did almost again understand a couple of things there, like what you're talking about, the odd positioning of Trent in the second half, because it was, it was kind of a forced hand and he was trying to do creative stuff in that area. Yeah, he went up, well, he went up front for it as well. Yeah, pretty much, you know. So, so, so I, I, they, they were a couple of things. I, I suppose I didn't find them, I didn't find them as offensive. And, and again, you know, it's interesting because you're, you've got literally the proper view of the game when you're at it. You can see more than people can see on TV and you can get a feel as well, maybe for how people are reacting. So that's very interesting. One, but two is, I mean, you know, people are going to be sitting there thinking, but the lad didn't intend to, and people are going to be saying, but we can't be that hard. And he's only a youngster and all the rest of it. But I find, I, I find it really interesting that you have the strength of opinion that you have on it. Um, and I can, I can very much lean into it myself. And I just want you to explain to it why, explain to people who might be listening to this going, Oh, but he's he's only a youngster. He cut him some slack, or 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 um, he didn't actually intend to headbutt him, and and it was he, the other guy made a meal of it, and sort of it, it of was an, it an accident, an accidental um, headbutt as such. What, what, what's your what's your take? Well, if you if you do look at it, it's it, it it's the way your man moves towards him. I think I think Nunes is intended to stick his head into his chest, which yeah, would still. Which would still have gotten him sent off, but as it yeah. happens, your man moves to him and he makes contact with his face, so he's done. It's it's I over. I, I can't forgive, but I could almost forgive it. I'd say <laughs> if he turned around and smacks him, you know, with, with his forehead. But the fact that he had a little go first because he's being pushed around a bit, and and the, the lad who played him was was their best player. I thought I thought he was, was very good last, uh, on on Monday. Um, you, you you don't get to piss about with Liverpool because you're angry. We're a goal down. You know that if you do that, you're going to be sent off. So to go go back and do it again because you missed the first time. I'm not saying get rid of him. I'm not saying you know he's the worst player in the world or anything like that. But what I'm not doing there is stand up saying, "Oh, poor lad, he's only young. It's his first game in the it's it's, it's an early girl in the Premier League. He's, he's he's not he's not six. He's a professional footballer. He knows what he did there. Um, and yeah, you can call it naive, and I I completely applaud what the manager said, which was. We're going to talk to him about it, but not from the punishment point of view. We're going to talk about how he can be clever, um, you know, how he can use his aggression. Um, but it's the fact that he did it twice, and you don't get to you don't get to shove your frustration onto the world while you're wearing a Liverpool shirt and we're a goal down at home to Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. following a, a game where we'd already drawn the first game, which he scored in, obviously. So he's a great player, but that that really really annoyed me, and it still does, to be honest. I'm still annoyed at that. But of course, when he comes back, I'll be fine. But we're not going to see him for a bit. Can I can I ask you then, just before we go to Lisa Marie for her take on the, on that particular incident? Uh, can I ask you just what you think? Uh, and there's context now with with today's result. Um, are you despondent? I, I mean, I know you're not a runner, right? We we get that. But did you think people were making way too much out of the fact that we dropped four points, or can you understand that it actually is? quite a good punch to an awful lot of people like yourself and myself and Lisa Marie who really think we have a chance of winning this freaking league and we can't be lax. Yeah. So what, where, where are you sitting with that, with the loss of those four points? Because they are, they were four points coughed up for sure. Well, it's a loss of two points now. So, you know, and then we beat Manchester City, we go above them. So it's, um, no, you, you, I, I don't get that. Yeah, we're going to have to win every single game now to win the league. I, 
No, I, I can't see that happening at all. I mean, not not if Man City are throwing away leads at Newcastle, at Newcastle and Leeds United are battering Chelsea and Arsenal are currently top of the league and um, and Arsenal are a really weird club. So no, you can't you can't throw away the league after two home home draw where where we were unlucky. I thought as well. I thought the manager got a few things wrong. Obviously the Gomez thing, um, but uh, no. Now we start against tomorrow night. Like that, and we're going to talk plenty about that particular game. But Lisa Marie, to bring you in on the the last one, feel free to chat about the Darwin Nunes thing if you if you do have a, a strong opinion on it one way or the other. If you don't, that's absolutely fine. But do tell us what it is that's been, like I say, grinding your gears or actually making you smile over the week in relation to our club and the stories around it. Well, the day of the game, I only saw the first, or I'm sorry, I only saw the second half. Now I have gone back and watched, watched the first half and I really had just kind of put it on or had it on. I was, I was working and I just kind of happened to look up as the whole thing with Darwin Nunes happened. And I was a little bit, I don't know. I don't want to say confused. That makes me sound a little simple, but um, I guess, you know, it just kind of took me a beat or two to sort of understand because it's just not something we're used to seeing from our players. And, and then I, you know, it, it, it just took a minute or two for me to kind of, you know, understand the whole what was going on. And, you know, I mean, I get I understand a red card and everything, but it was just it was so atypical of what we have seen from this team in the last few seasons that it just kind of threw me a bit. Um, but I do feel we responded very well when we went to 10 men. Um, you know, I, I think the rest of the team can, you know, take some pride in the way that they kept their heads up. And of course, Diaz got the goal and, you know, and we responded very well to that. But on the flip side, I, I hope that's not a situation that we have to respond to um, any, again, anytime in the near future. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And I, I want to focus on a couple of positives there, um, not just for the sake of, of um, sunshine and puppies, but because it's relevant. I mean, we can't really talk about that game and ignore that wonder goal that was struck. And yet I found myself talking about it in a certain way afterwards. And it was in keeping with almost every other shot that we took. It was frantic. Uh, it was high speed. All the other attempts were at full stretch or just, a, you know, at a really high, at high pace and all that kind of thing. Nothing was composed about us, which I think Carl might have alluded to earlier on. And yeah. probably what you're suggesting there, you weren't really recognizing what you're seeing. Um, that chaotic thing, I think, could work in our favor if we can harness it a little bit. But it's a beautiful goal. Don't get me wrong. And it's every ounce of it is deliberate. But again, it's in keeping with what we were doing. There was no deliberate city style um pass 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 till the other team's dead goal um which we are capable of and we seem to aspire to but when we have a dodgy final ball or we can't finish then we can't do that so unlike carl i actually i'm i'm a bit gutted i was i was really enjoying and i just want to get your take on this i was really enjoying the change up of having someone to aim diagonal balls at or crosses at and seeing him knocking them down for Mo Salah and we know what that guy's control is like so for me that was an exciting little thing I hate us to do it all the time and I don't think we will but I did like it as an addition to the armory if you know what I mean Lisa Marie. Mm-hmm. agreed agreed and and again I think because 
I didn't really start watching it until the second half. So it was a little, and that was part of why I went back. I have, you know, since gone back and watched the first half just to kind of understand the discussion that took place, you know, with you and, and the guys on raw afterwards. And, and, and I did call in to, to Nina's show, you know, and just gave my, you know, little bits um, on what I saw in the second half. But, you know, I think Harvey played very well. Of course, I'm going to say that. Um, <laughs> he did, though. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> I am. But you know what? Actually, I mean, I, I do. I think I do think he played well. But I'll tell you. So and I don't know if, if either of you saw it, but he did, a, you know, a post-match interview and I'm sitting there watching him. And not so much listening to the what he was saying, but the way he was saying it. And I was very impressed with the maturity of a 19-year-old. <laughs> he's obviously been very – he's taken to the media training very, very well. But the way he answered the questions that were being put to him was – I thought was very impressive for, you know, a 19-year-old. You know, again, as the mother of two young men, I – you know, I just I found that very impressive. That, yeah, yeah. That he yeah, had I, the composure after that game, you know, with with all that had taken on. And I mean, it was it was you know immediate. You know, it's one of the and I don't remember who it was for, or who was who he was talking to specifically. But but I thought it, it, his composure and his maturity and the answers he gave, you know, they weren't just like one two you know phrase answers. It was there was some depth to what he was saying, and and I just thought that was you know he's obviously a very intelligent kid. Yeah, articulacy is, is articulacy is not. Thank you. That's in, what in, I'm it, It's not in the gift of every teenage lad, uh, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, and of course, footballers, cliched or otherwise, are famously uh, not the most expressive or or innovative in the way that they express themselves. And yet, and yet, um, it is quite a common thread actually running through the the crew that we have that they are capable of articulating their ideas very very clearly and it's nice to see him do that because what it does is it shows he's a full package because that's how he plays i don't know what you think about that carl to just come in on this point about harvey elliott because there's going to be an awful lot needed from that kid if we don't sign anyone before the end of the window and i bow to nobody on that opinion because it's simply fact um, we have too many people who are not robust enough and we're going to need him. And if he's not up to scratch and we don't get in a reinforcement, then that is going to be a factor in how we go throughout the season. So it is encouraging, isn't it, to see that so far it looks like we could have a good one on our hands here again. Harvey Elliott is going to be playing for Liverpool this season an awful lot. And I think we should get used to it. And so is Curtis Jones. And... um they're both very, very good footballers at what they do. The only thing is against them is lack of experience and age. Um, and there's only one way to put that right. So, you know, it's not um it's it's not as if it's um news to anyone that, you know, we we we've got these players to play them. You know, we with the whole point of this is that that they get to play for Liverpool and which is a fantastic thing because they're incredibly good footballers. Um People are just going to have to get used to that. I mean, that, that, that is literally the, the be all and end all of this. Is um, if we bring someone in, we bring someone in. If we don't bring them in, then get used to Harvey, get used to Curtis, get used to Naby, get used to Thiago. And we're sticking with that. And it's, it's often good enough, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we're still, I'm still convinced we're going to, we're on hold, I think, for next year. 
because I think that's when then we get when we get Drew Bellingham. It may not be the answer, but he's going to be something. I'd say that player. I think he's a very very good player, and I think that's what we're doing. I think that's why Harvey's getting his time at the moment because this is your your year to shine. And he's good enough. He was he was. He was there's no way he was he was out with depth or anything like that last on Monday night. His control was really good. He wanted a hat trick in the first five minutes, which I like to see. I also like the fact no one's mentioned this: the fact that we 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 got the trainer on to sort the goalkeeper out in ninety seconds. That was a great start. I really liked that. Went in on the goalkeeper in ninety seconds. I like that yeah. sort of thing. I hope we do it tomorrow. Uh, but um, Harvey Elliott's a very very good footballer, and people have to get used to that just because his name's not Elietto or something like that. Then if that's what you want, just change his name. Yeah, look, I mean, it is. It's. I think it's exciting that uh, that he looks to have the ability to do the job that we will likely need him to do because, the, like you said, the likely reality is not um, a late window surprise of um, two first team ready midfielders. Uh, the only thing I will say about the likelihood of or the possibility of the Jude Bellingham thing is. Um, as has been pointed out by a few of the uh, people on various shows, and it's one thing I was shouting from last year, if we are going to be waiting for him, we're actually going to need to sign at least one or two more others as well at that point. So then it becomes uh, tricky, uh, to say the least. But look, I think that's going to happen, though, because because the, the, the squad is old. Yeah, and we've got the squad goal because they keep winning things. So yeah. there's, I mean, Kenny had this problem about as far back as '91, where suddenly his '88 side was suddenly all '32. And you know, yeah. and then you know, had to come in and start playing with Manaman and Hutchison and Redknapp and people like that. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, e- it's not an easy decision to make. So you know, there are going to be massive changes. But he doesn't want to do what Forrest are doing at the moment, where they brought in what 23 new signings yesterday. Yeah, uh, and 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 you know whether people like it or not, that seems to be the plan. So we are along for the ride now, and we're hoping that we can do uh, some positive business on the back of it. And one thing we we know is going to happen, at least Marie, is that Bobby Firmino is going to come in now into that um, central attacking role uh, for Darwin Nunes for three games at least, and. Now, if you were to go by the sample size of what we saw from Bobby in his previous outing, uh, I think we'd all be running around, pulling out our hair and and screaming about being on fire because the lad was awful. Uh, But he does have that in him. uh, And we also know that he's wonderful. And I've seen way too much stuff, Lisa Marie, about how he's done, he's washed, it's over, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not even slightly concerned about this situation. In fact, a bit like what Carl, Carl was saying earlier, I think there's going to be a familiarity to our play now, um, which will suit certain people uh, in our attack and in our midfield. Um, and there's going to be that industry that we usually get from Bobby Firmino, which will suit certain people, uh, which we be who would be who would be struggling without that assistance of of his defensive work from the from the top of the field, and 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 foot in and interventions and pressing and all that. I I find it exciting. He's going to get it. He's going to get us. He knows he has a little block of games to come in now, and if he does the job to the peak of his ability, well then Darwin Nunes is back on the fucking bench. Tough shit, lad. You'll have to get back into the team again. And I, I love that uh, that situation for us, Lisa Marie, especially with United coming up now. Well, and <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, and I mean, that was happening, if you recall, last season. Bobby would play and 
not play well and everyone would be. And then, you know, he did have a run of form where he did very well for us. Um, and I can't think of specifics for, for some reason, the Arsenal games come to mind, but, but I could be making that up. It's, it's, it's so I, yeah. So he, he, he can do well. I mean, I think the trouble with him a little bit in the last couple of years is there's just been some mis- inconsistencies to his game for whatever reason, but I'm not, I'm not afraid of the fact that, you know, he's who we're going to have for the next couple of games. And I mean, you know, it may be good for Darwin and even, you know, once Jada's back, you know, for, for him and Luis Diaz to both kind of have to, you know, prove them, prove themselves or, you know, play themselves in. I mean, we talked about that last year, um, Trev, where, you know, once Diaz came in and everyone was talking about, you know, that's it. Mane's going and, you know, all this other, it's like, no, these are options. We have options. We have these, you know, guys that can play in, in different spots across the front line and it allows us to keep it fresh and to keep, you know, our opposition to not necessarily know what, what to expect from us. And, um, yeah, if, you know, if Bobby can come in and, and play better. Hey, if he can just come and play better than he played against Fulham, then that's a win as far as I'm concerned. Yes, that would also be very, very, very easy for him to achieve. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> we, we have to bear that in mind All as right, well. well, yes, I mean, I'm... <laughs> uh, Carl, I want to bring you in on the thorny issue of of uh, the midfield area because uh, you, you, I think you've got quite strong opinions on this that most people will be familiar with. But I just want to give you a chance to to, to clarify as well with the fact that Harvey Elliott is uh, doing well. I'm looking at who's available for us, and um, apparently the man of the most um, stories and rumors and fraught tweets by journalists and then contradictory equally fraught tweets by other journalists is Nabi Keita. He, however, is fully fit after being ruled out by illness for the Fulham game and not quite ready, it appeared, to even take any part in the last game, uh, which I found was weird. But all good says really good says uh, Jürgen, all fine, which is classic Jürgenism. But we, we are without John Matip, without Thiago, uh, without Ibu Kanate, without Curtis, without Diogo Jota, Ox, Ramsey, Kelleher, uh, and obviously Nunes. That is a hefty, hefty list of people not in contention. So it should make the, the Liverpool midfield selection quite simple. You imagine if Fab's fit, he plays. You imagine the, the captain plays and then it's going to be either Hendo or it's going to be either, uh, Elliot or, uh, or, um, uh, Keita. But it doesn't really work that way in terms of positions. So it, with the, knowledge that I, and I hate doing this but it's so early in the season to do this it seems absurd but we can't really lose this one and we really do need to win it with that knowledge um that that game against United is coming up and it has this extra sort of heft to it like do you see him going with the tried and trusted you you reckon it's going to be Hendo right side at eight Fab sitting and Naby Keita on the left or do you think he's going to leave the kid in and move Henderson over to the left-hand side? Or how do you think he goes? I think he um, plays Elliot. I just okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think he trusts him more. And with that with that in mind, then, you reckon, you, who, do you, who do you think, alongside Fab, makes up the three? Henderson. 
He, he can't drive his, he's not going to drive his captain for Old Trafford. No, no. They need as much organisation as possible and they're the two senior players. The only problem about that is he doesn't tend to operate too effectively over on that side. He's like far better on the right, isn't he, as an eight. So... But I think I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that I I actually think that's absolutely what he does, uh, and I think it will further underline all these question marks around Naby Keita, and that's what I'm I'm bringing you in on. And at least I think, I think he comes on. I think Keita comes on. Yeah. Because these days, I know we've got so many sources, but you can always sort of roughly find out who they are. It's tricky with the forward line because they're all injured. But. Um, I, th- I think he could, I think he definitely comes on. He, he, he took off Robertson and put in Simicass. Um but, but but with a full team, I don't think Kaiser gets in the first three. I think it's Thiago, Henderson, and and Fabinho. And for you, for you, and what I'm getting at here is not necessarily what we think the the manager will do because I think we can guarantee that we're pro- we've probably called that. But personal opinion, because I I always get the feeling that you don't. You're not that high on Naby Keita as a footballer, not necessarily anything to do with the fact that he has limited availability, although maybe that's frustrating you. But I always get the opinion that you're not that high on him as an option. Uh, And a lot of people have been saying in recent weeks, um, but especially over the last week and a half when all these stories have been going around about his contract, a lot of people have been saying sort of quite critical things about how he hasn't taken his chance and he hasn't yeah. he hasn't played well and he hasn't done this, that and the other. And then the counterpoints to them are kind of hard to argue with in terms of how well we've done when he's been on the pitch in terms of points accrued and his own individual stats and all that type of thing. So is it an eye test thing for you or where, where, where's where, what's your opinion based on? Like what, what's your what, what metrics are you using to be comparatively critical of him in relation to, for example, a direct comparison with the captain, for example. I've, I've, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> if, any, if anyone missed that, that's Trev throwing me under a bus. Um, <laughs> I've fallen out with many people about Naby Keita. I think he's a good footballer. I um, have seen him play in the flesh many times. Um, I just don't think it's a coincidence that he's played twice in Madrid and been taken off for half time on both occasions, or certainly early. Uh, he's, I think he's all right. He's never going to be my first choice. I think we overpaid for him. I'm surprised he's getting a second contract. Um, he's all right. I, I always think of him as a sort of decent 15 minute last op, like, you know, last 15 minute option. We played Southampton away when, when Mo got his, ended what, what for him was a goal drought and, and Naby got the first goal there and I think and he made a difference. Um, and he has pockets of the goal against Atletico Madrid. It's fantastic, but then again, he didn't bother tackling them. We, we never we conceded two goals because of it. Um, it's not. My, it's it's a hard one for me the Naby Keita thing because I don't understand the whole Naby FC thing. I just don't get it at all. And I think people have gone way, way, way over the top, which is hardly his fault, I should say. About oh my god, he's the best thing since sliced bread, and use it to beat up Milner and Henderson and Chamberlain, the English players. Um, but bearing in mind, this is a fan base when, when I read on Monday that someone says that, um, if, uh, Joe Gomez was white, he'd start ahead of Nat Phillips. You know, I read that this week. So, you know, this is the sort of level of zealotry we're talking at. I think he's all right. I'm surprised he's still here. I'm surprised he's got a new contract, but he plays for Liverpool and he's my man if he plays for Liverpool. But I'm not jumping on board with him being the answer to everything. He, he can't yeah. touch Thiago. I know it's a different role. 
he can't touch Thiago and there's only three midfield places. And one of them's definitely gone and the other one's for the captain um, most of the time. Whether people like that or not, tough shit. He's the most successful captain in, in this century and the last century probably. And um, yeah, tough shit. Um, and that'd be case. It doesn't fulfill that third role for me. It's Thiago. Look, you know what? People will hear that and they'll hear what they want to hear. And it's, on, have a go. Feel free. It's it's lit, it, but it's <laughs> dude. It's literally it's literally your opinion, and that's exactly what yeah. it is. And uh, outside that, I mean, other people w- w- will say it's it's that's outrageous. Why would you? You can't just select a guy because he's got an armband, and they'll have that story. And the truth is always whoever is taking the field. I'm absolutely high on them in that moment, and you know that it's it comes down to that obviously you'd have preferences and my preference would probably maybe maybe swing in the opposite way if it came down to a straight choice there but then maybe not at times as well so it's definitely not clear cut there's not enough of a sample size um of Nabi Keita sadly for us being brilliant for people to be completely unequivocal about it nor is there enough of a sample size of him being poor for people to be completely unequivocal about it so that's what's interesting and let's finish this little uh, thing off by giving you your tuppence worth and let's say some Marie like where do you stand on that in terms of you can bring it back to the United game if you want because I, I, I want to just go to one more thing on that before we go which is to talk about them a little bit um so in terms of your midfield selection, what would you be inclined to do uh, versus what you think is likely to happen? All right. So what I would be inclined to do would be Elliot, Favino, Nabby. But I agree with what Carl said is I think it's going to be Elliot, Favino, Henderson. Although I do not like Henderson on the left. It, I mean, as you, one or the other of you just touched on, he's just, it doesn't generally go very well. Um, but I, I do think Carl, you're right. It's the United game. It, he's the captain. And I, I think he's, he's likely to start. And I mean, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be Henderson, Fabino, um, Nabby. I mean, maybe it's Elliot that, that doesn't start. Um, but if I were selecting, I think I would do Elliot, Fabino, Nabby. But for me with Nabby. Is it after the first two? If, if, if we had two wins on the board, you might think about it. Yeah, but that's I, true. I, I think he does everything he possibly can to push the percentage up. That's a good point. That's a good point. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, with Nabby, the thing for me is just it, the consistency. There just has never been any consistency. And I mean, some of it, again, is not necessarily his fault. I mean, there's been, you know, injuries or illness or, or whatnot, but it's just you. To me, it's almost like when he is available to play, that's like a bonus because it feels like he's not available. I mean, and I'm looking back over the last few years, it just feels like more often than not or as much he's been available as he's not been available. So it almost got to a point where it's like, oh, now he's available. Okay, bonus. Um so yeah, so I, I don't know. I just and then there, there was that spell as well where he was fit and available, and Klopp just wasn't selecting him. And so he wasn't selecting him. Like, yeah, yeah. So. so I mean, so so like that should tell you quite a bit too about you know the realities. Whether we all have our opinions and stuff, but that will might tell you a bit about the realities of who's going to get selected. And the, the reason I ask is just to spin this back around. Like it's huge for us. This 
it's huge. It's always huge against Manchester United. Carl, you and I have spoken over the years about how it's a game that it's, it's kind of hard to enjoy because of the uh, levels over the years of sort of just angst that it induces. It's it's fucking that lot. Uh, and it could always be a one-off. You never know what was going to happen. And then in recent years, we're just better. We're just better. But I thought that going into this season, I thought that in the first game, I thought we put it right in the second game and give that a lot of tonkin. We haven't done that yet. And having not done that, it's hard to be too bullish um, about how we're going to go out and destroy these. These are shit. These are rubbish. They're in disarray, blah, blah, blah. In fact, that kind of talk just makes me a little unsettled. So I'm going to bring you in on this card just to get your feel about this United game. Uh, because if it's massive for us, it feels like it could be make or break almost for that manager, for them. Like it's getting silly there. That place is, does appear to be on the face of it in a bit of a mess. You listen to um, their supporters talking. They back that up very much. The cohesion that the, the, this guy was supposed to bring with him, the sort of solidity, the certitude around the playing style. You look at the craziness of their recruitment, it's how haphazard it seems. Uh, you look at the whole Ronaldo situation, which must be stinking the place out. And you think, right, well, it's a good time to be playing them. But Carl, they need this so desperately, man. I mean, it's how you- time for them to play also, I think. Yes, it is. That's it's, it's it's that expression I use from the West Wing, which is 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 trying to get back into the game with one swing. And if you're beating Liverpool, they're Old Trafford. When we're already not having the best start, then that's that that's a godsend to us. And, and the manager said last week, he said, "I wish United had won four 0 in both games. I don't I don't want them losing four 0 You know, one game doesn't bleed into another, but." You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather they didn't have to make a reaction because they're going to have to have a reaction on top of the fact that it's Man United. Exactly. And that's yeah. a hard thing to do. So I, that's what I've been thinking all day. And we've just got to be professional about it. You know, we, 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 we don't take any chances like we did against Palace. We don't do anything silly. And you just go out there and you play the match, not the occasion. Because if we do that, we beat them. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Marie, you're taking this as well because... Like I say, for the record, it's pretty important, massive for them, regardless. I mean, it's just massive for them. Um, but the point Carl makes is, is hard to avoid. And it's the one that's making me a little bit nervous is, can it really get much worse? Can they really do much worse? But then you could counterpoint that with, well, are we really going to cough up points three games in a row? This crowd, this gang of players who we've seen achieve incredible things and who we know we can trust so where are you landing with it and you tend to skew optimistic optimistically so I'm, I'm i'm curious yeah i do tend to skew optimists um to that end of the scale but i you know i i think and i've tried to kind of step back the last couple of days just from you know the rhetoric online and, and all of the other because the more i kept hearing just about how awful man United are the more nervous it was making me for the match on Monday tomorrow because I just was like I you know they are they are they have not shown anything good so far this season but but I don't want us to be their first win so I I am that I think I would have been if we had you know won last week um and I hate these Monday night games I just really am 
I never really thought much about it until now, but I just really don't because I hate the fact that it's, you know, it's all through the weekend and, you know, the results everywhere else. It just seems to kind of put a little more weight on on the result for the teams playing, you know, or for us specifically playing on, on Monday night, just, you know, to see where things are going to lie. So I am a little more nervy about it, but I think, you know, if we go into it with the right mindset, you know, as you said, just kind of play our game, our traditional sort of game, you know, I have every reason to believe that, that you know, we'll pull out the win. <laughs> I want to believe that too. I want to believe that too. I, honestly, honestly, God, I do. And I, I you know, I'm, I, I think the three of us here would be inclined to, 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 towards, you know, thinking the best of this lot and being hopeful and all that type of thing. Um, I still think there's a chance we can win every trophy this season. I just don't like that list of names that I read for you there a couple of minutes ago. It's, it just feels, I thought that expression Klopp used was fucking brilliant. I wonder, has it come from German? Maybe someone might let us know where he said um, last week that it felt like there was a witch in the building. A witch in the building. Um, I thought that was great. That's really, really good, that one, because it just it just sums up the fact he said this is like a cursed week, like how, how many people can drop out. And to have that real hammer blow of the Tiago injury, uh, on the back of the sneaky one to Ibu that we didn't see coming or they didn't mm-hmm. seem to seem co- see coming and all the other assorted things to have Diogo Jota out who we could pretty much really do with now, just around now. It's hard and I, I, I part of my brain is going, is this going to be one of those seasons? Um you know, we couldn't really complain too much if it was, but of course people will, and they'll think that it could have been fixed with a player or two. Now, who's to argue? Right, the, the good thing to take away, I guess, you know, glass half full. I mean, so far the injuries that we're seeing, I mean, none of them are are long term. Although, I've, you know, I've heard different things about um, Oxley Chamberlain, but but for the most part, you know, they're they're shorter term injuries. You know, we're not. We're not seeing anyone, you know, it's, it's not like knockwood everywhere on my desk. Um, you know, the couple of years ago with, you know, with Virgil and with Joe and everything where those were, you know, season ending injuries, you know, I mean, uh, Jada should be back here, I think probably in the next, you know, at least in training within the next week or so. And I'm not sure. I haven't really heard any timeline on, uh, Kanate, but, you know, I think, or Curtis Jones, but I mean, my understanding is they're not, you know, multiple months of, of, of anything. Now I could be, I could be wrong and just haven't seen the whole, the whole picture, but, but I think that's just been kind of a little unlucky to, to pick up these, you know, niggles and injuries first part of the first part of the season, you know, kind of all at once. So hopefully, you know, we're just getting it all out of the way now and and then it'll be good. Well, right? the, the part of me, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I like the little right at the end, the part of me that used to, tug my forelock at magpies would <laughs> would seem to be shouting at me that it's not a little unlucky. It's very fucking unlucky. Sorry, tug, tug your what? I, I used to have a forelock, Carl. Oh, okay. Yeah, back in the day. You're going back, uh, you're going back a bit now, though, yeah? I'm going back a bit, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I just like a bit of verisimilitude. No, that's, it's important for you to get a bald joke in um, before the end of the show. One, one a week. I'm happy for you. Let's just while, while we're while we're at this, uh, let's just uh, let's just show the um, 
let's just explain to the listeners just a little bit of, about how the sausage is made here. Um, because as we were getting ready to do the show there, I was saying to Lisa Marie that um, uh, some guests of mine have departed recently and they were lovely people, but uh, quite a lot. They were a lot, I think is what what they would say in their own home country. And I said, uh, yeah, they've gone. They've taken a chunk of my soul with them. And Lisa Marie says, should I be offended at this? Because they were compatriots. And I said, oh, why would you be? They're my family. Uh, and uh, Lisa Marie wasn't sure if they were, f- if it was because they were family or because they were American. I said, I love America and Americans. To which Copac says, it's the Irish I can't stand. I don't know that. That's uh, <laughs> that's where we're at here. Is what I'm saying. And Carl, 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 don't worry, man. I'm stopping before I read your next comment, which would not go over well. <laughs> 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 sorry, hey, I had a lovely Irish coffee with my dinner last night. I am, I mean, up the Irish. That's all I have to say. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I also just name dropped the fact that my grandmother's name is is was Nana Mulligan. So um, you know. But write in if you want. Write in. I'm, I'm, I'm not that, there anymore. That was nice. Uh, that was nice context. To be fair, I, I did. I'm sure everybody picked up. And actually, one other slight bone to pick with you there. You seem to be querying my um, my Indian meal last night. What was that all about? Um, I, I sort of held back on it a bit because it could not. It might not have been you. It might have been someone who is. It, it was not guilty of the crimes you've committed in the past. Um, but um, you, you, you on Instagram you put um, a, a, a picture of your food, and um, you, you, it looks like you've ordered chips in, in an Indian restaurant. So, so what, what you have you already finished the omelette? Is that what's happened? No, no, the omelette, the omelette was uh, it, it was it came out in a special plate uh, where I, I I ate it in a special booth where I didn't have to be affected by the atmosphere of the Indian restaurant. Uh, so no, obviously what we did was we got uh, about seventy nine things because it was a birthday meal, yeah. and so we basically ordered like one of everything, and it was um, <laughs> they, I, I swear to God that's what it was like. We were just it was absolute gluttony, savagery of the highest order, but. The, the place was a place called Doolally in um, Dublin city centre. And uh, I thought, I bet you that's from Indian culture some way or other. And I looked it up and what, what of course, it, actually the word does come from a place called, I think, Doolally, which was a place that used to have a, a mental asylum back in the day and so you know that's where the associations were made um um so i love that but i'll tell you what it's a it was a beautiful restaurant and the food was outrageous it was to mark the occasion of my child's 24th birthday and i think at this point having said that sentence we should have a minute silence for me uh because holy shit that's a that's (laughs) That's quite a thing to find yourself saying out loud. Uh, but there it is. I can't, I can't deny it. Uh, and yes, there were something called, Carl, you love this, gunpowder curry chips. So I said, okay, we've got to see what they taste like. But surprise, surprise, it was chips with curry powder. But, you know, <laughs> but the rest of the food was absolutely outrageously good. It looks so nice, yeah. I would heartily recommend it. 
there was um, there was quite a lot of treats. We might go into it in a little bit of detail some other point when we're talking about food, but I do want to keep an eye on the clock. It's about five minutes to go now, and I'm aware. Well, before we go there, can I can I just, I've got um, uh, it's not on physio room anymore, but I've got potential return dates for Liverpool players. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, please. I mean, it's obviously it's not an exact science any of this. Tiago potential return 18th of September. It's not too far away. Jota third of the um, September, so literally next week. Darwin Nunes, don't think he started. Um, Quiver, Quiver's back next week. Well, I can't really see him playing anyway. Quiver, 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 right? Yeah. Quiving, Sorry, I've got right? a friend called Quiver. That's why Quiver. <laughs> um, Curtis Jones, twenty seventh of well next week, twenty seventh of, of um, August. John Matic, twenty seventh of August. Firmino now. Chamberlain, no return date. Canate, no return date. Calvin Ramsey, no return date. Mm. Okay, so Canate is worse than I realized. I don't think. I, I think it's more lack of information. Or, or the, okay. all, all the other dates we've got quotes from the manager. Bobby is trained at his normal and, and is ready. Um, Canate, we have to see how long it will take, but he's out for a while. That's the last quote on that. Well, look, I mean, at least Joey Gomez got some minutes into his legs the last day, and he he's should great be good. He looks great. good. Yeah, and he should be good to start. And I, I love, I would love the idea that him and Virgil, like what I said about Bobby, would do something, do a madness for the next couple of matches and just be so good that Joel and um, if we were going to struggle to get back in, that's what we want. That's the only way we turn this adversity to our favour is by playing well and getting results. Other, if if we don't do that then it is a bit of a fucking disaster. We have to admit that. So it's going to be, there's there's going to be an, an extra layer of tension around the next couple of games, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I do kind of look forward to it, I have to say. Even if it is another shitty Monday night game um, when everybody else has played. However, a few re- re- results have gone in our favour. Like you said, Chelsea got a tonking City of drop points. So it is an exciting sort of a spell already. The, se- the season's really off and running, but our show is not we're into 57 minutes and I want to give you a chance to finish up with whatever final thoughts you have. Um, I don't have anything really specific that I want to say, so I'm not just going to fill airspace by making something up or doing a plug for the sake of it. So Lisa Marie, is there anything you wanted to round up with? Um, no, although we were out to dinner last night as well to celebrate a birthday, my mother-in-law. So we also had a nice Nice meal at a at a local restaurant. It was it was like a steak and seafood place. So very nice. Good. Yes. Yeah. So happy go, birthday go to my mother in law on the twenty fourth of August. Yes. Well, that's it. I really don't have anything. <laughs> um. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm not going to be able to watch the game live because you know Monday night for you all would be Monday afternoon for me, and I actually have a meeting taking place during the first part of the game. So. Well, you, 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 you're working like a real adult with a job. So, I mean, how, how are you supposed to get away in the middle of the day? It's insane. It's absurd. It's it's <laughs> annoying. Let's get back to more regular footy times as soon as possible at the weekend. Uh, but, uh, Carl, I know you have something to plug if you want to finish off with that. Well, um, I'm, I'm not around for the next week because um, uh, it's my girlfriend's birthday and we're doing the three peaks this week. We're not doing them in the same day or anything like that, we're doing it um, over the course of a few days. And um, I've only, I've I've climbed Snowden, my girlfriend's climbed Snowden, and uh, the other one, Scaffold Pike, and we're doing Ben Nevis for the first time, which would be really nice between us. 
And um, I've been watching a, a, a film, a documentary on Netflix called Sherpa. And if you've any doubt about colonialism, about the attitudes to people from so-called lesser nations or certainly not as economically viable nations, watch this film. Basically, what basically happens is the Sherpas are the people obviously, who obviously assist the um, get, getting the nice people up the mountain. Um, and occasionally act almost like butlers to them. They certainly used to do that. And, um, they take all the risks. They put the ladders where across crevices where they should be and what have you. And in this, um, episode, they lost, I think it was 16 people on the mountain in 2014. And they basically said, hang on, we're not getting paid any, you're, you're being paid the tens of thousands of pounds to do this. We're being paid 400 pounds a year to do this. And we're on taking all the risks and they're not going to do it. It's worth watching this film for the last 10 minutes where the, the bloke who runs the tours, who's sympathetic all the way through, he's lost people that, you know, he's been camped with and what have you. And he basically just says at the end, I don't know why you're trying to ruin my business. And there's one bloke who says, he's obviously, he's paid his 10 grand to get over there and he wants to climb the mountain and he's frustrated, which I get, obviously. Um, but when they refuse, the shepherds refuse to, you know, they're saying we'd rather lose money and not go up because, hey, we respect the mountain, which is a big thing for them. And um, we've lost our friends. and we're tired of this and one man says uh oh there's the rumor going around that um some sherpas have said about some other sherpas if you help anyone then that's all we'll break your legs um that's not in, in any way there's no validation of that whatsoever that's just said and this bloke turns to the camera and he says when someone threatens somebody not to do something through violence they become a terrorist and we all know about terrorists because of 9-11 you just lost 16 people and is refusing to go up the mountain and it just, that, that film is just, it's one of those documentaries where you end up shouting at the telly and you don't know why. I was just, for a while, I was wondering, is this fiction based on fact? But it's obviously a documentary yeah, and all absolutely. the way through. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 it does sound fascinating and um, probably not one for me at the moment. I'm not exactly high on the British Empire just now. I've been doing a bit of, bit of reading around that myself. And I had a conversation about the, the very visceral reaction I had to visiting the British Museum recently. Um, I came out and the last time I was that annoyed uh, was when I staggered out of the cinema having watched um, In the Name of the Father <laughs> back in, in the early 90s. Good Lord. And I, was, I staggered out onto a Collins Street and I was like, bastards! What's <laughs> Liverpool? What's that? Southern Liverpool. Yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah, the the end of George's Hall. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that that might be one to avoid for the. Have you read the book, by the way? Because it's innocent. I have. I have. Jesus yeah. Christ, that made me. I, I read that on holiday in about the mid nineties. God, that made me shout. Yes, well, that is. It's because you said that. That's what made me think yeah. of it. Shouting at the TV. That's exactly what I'd be doing. Yeah. So probably best avoid it just now because I'm 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 out here shouting in the clouds most times, uh, old man that I am. We'll wrap it up there. Um, it was a uh, lovely to chat to Lisa Marie Hanahan and to Carl Kopak. I've been Trev Denny. This is the Anfield Index podcast, and we'll be back with you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. 
you won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.